The Insulone Podcast is brought to you by Cybionics, an emerging CGM brand that focuses on simplifying how individuals aged 18 and above monitor and control their blood sugar levels. Upon becoming available on the market, the Cybionics GS1 CGM has helped users worldwide navigate the complexities of diabetes management with more confidence and peace of mind. Thanks to Cybionics, now more people are able to view and share their real-time glucose data, receive customizable glucose alarms, and generate full AGP reports, all directly from an intuitive Cybionics app, empowering them with the necessary information to make better decisions about their health. Cybionics combines data accuracy and comfort of wear, which is important to us all, with a feature-rich app. The 14-day scanning-free and calibration-free Cybionics GS1 CGM aims to deliver reliable, seamless diabetes management experiences. For more, check out CybionicsCGM.com. This is the Insulon Podcast, where I, Owen Costello, try to redefine diabetes. In this week's episode, I'm doing something and the last thing I want is my blood sugar to interfere with this. The last thing I want is to have a hypo behind the wheel or as I said, on a first date, in an interview, whatever it may be. But before we get into that, everything you hear on the Insulone podcast is from my own personal experience. And if you have any worries or issues regarding your diabetes, please contact a medical professional. Now, let's get stuck into this episode. Good afternoon. Welcome back to the podcast. Thank you for joining us for another episode. Myself, Owen here, and I'm lucky to have my co-host, Mr. Graham O'Toole. What's happening, Graham? I was driving back from my other job when I'm not a podcast producer, <laughs> just there to uh, to do it. And I was, this because it's such lovely weather here in Ireland still, and the windows are open, I had my hand out the window, and I was just thinking, imagine living in a hot climate all the time. Because I'm sure we, we've got people listening to this all over the world and they just live in a world where the sun is always in the sky. <laughs> yeah. And believe me, if you ever move to Ireland, I hope you appreciate it because I t- when the sun comes out here, we appreciate it so much. People are in such good form. But I tell you, if we had it all the time, it'd be so good. But then the question I pose to you own is, would we appreciate it as much then if we had it all the time? Oh, it's a good question. I don't think so because we wouldn't, we wouldn't have anything to compare it against because True. it would just be, ah, we have sunny weather all the time. But it's funny that you mentioned that because I had that exact thought. Was it one of the days last week or earlier this week where the sun, like this, it's a beautiful day today. Yeah. Um, the thing about but, it is our beautiful days, it's only about 19 or 20 degrees Celsius, <laughs> yeah. which isn't that warm. Yeah. But we're just <laughs> I like t-shirt on, shorts on, this class. But it's like any sign any sign of sunshine warmth or summer in general it's like let's go it's the summertime we need to we need to make the most of it it was a beautiful day one of the days last week like i was saying and i was working on the computer and i was like oh here let me just grab the laptop and i was working outside and i was sitting in the garden with the sun shining on me just in a pair of shorts getting burnt to a crisp and i was like if it was like this all the time how nice that would be because yeah. it puts you in such a great mood being in the sunshine too. Yeah, absolutely. And I was walking down, no, I wasn't walking, I was driving down 
Baggett Street, which is one of the main streets in Dublin city centre the last day. And there was just a middle-aged guy holding the hand of what looked like his wife and he just top off. And it was only about 17 <laughs> degrees Celsius. So I was like, this is it. This is Dublin, baby. Um, <laughs> sun is good. Ireland is reopening even more. The gyms have been open for about a week now. I've started to get back into it. Owen, how have you found going back to the gym? You've been there a few days now. I presume you've been there every single day since it reopened, uh, making up for last time. How has the blood sugar reacted to being back in the gym after such a long period out? I know you were doing the home workouts, but slightly different when you're back in there. Yeah, well, first of all, it's so nice being back. And I think I mentioned it on the last episode, saying that for me, because I go like the earliest slot in the morning, it just perfectly sets me up for the day. And I love training first thing. My mind is clear. I can kind of focus on that, which is always good. But my blood sugars have acted exactly as I expected them to. And exactly as they had done prior to the last lockdown, which basically is vast majority of the time, I'll wake up, my blood sugars will be in range because like we've spoken about before, prioritizing your nighttime routine plays a big role in you kind of waking up within range. So today is a perfect example of it. So I woke up this morning, was in range. I think I was about 5.5 millimoles, which I was happy about waking up, going to the gym first thing. And what I always see is a slight rise from doing weights. So if I'm going to the gym, I'll generally see a tiny bit of a rise just because it's the morning time anyway, much like foot to floor or dawn phenomenon that we were talking about before. But there's an additional little spike because I'm training with heavier weights now. So when I'm in the gym, I see that bit of a spike come up and I'm expecting it. So because I'm expecting it from my, my previous experience over the years, I'm a lot less inclined to react to that high. So I'm going to the gym first thing. I'm going in there pretty stable. And I know that the weights are going to cause my bloods to spike. Not spike, but kind of gradually rise. It can affect people differently, obviously. But I see a bit of a gradual rise. I went up to about 9.5 today which is higher than I would like generally. But because I was expecting it, I knew I was going to go pretty high. So when I saw 9.5, I wasn't worried. I wasn't like, that's high blood sugar. I need to to treat it. So because I'm expecting it, I see the 9.5. And then I know that my walk or just general movement and activity after my weights is going to naturally help bring that back down. So I went up to about 9.5. Went through the session, got home, showered. My bloods had already come down to, I think, about 6.5. So the biggest thing to take from that basically is don't always just have that initial reaction to your bloods. And I know we've spoken on, on the podcast about this plenty of times before, outlining the importance of not reacting emotionally to your bloods. And so much of that comes down to you kind of being patient with it so if i had a seen that 9.5 and be like oh why is my blood sugar spike and i haven't eaten any food and if i had a reacted to that taken insulin to counteract it and bring it back down inevitably i would have dropped so for me to see that bit of a rise from the weights 
and then look an hour, an hour and a half into the future and say, right, I haven't eaten any food. I'm not going to be training for much longer. My general movement and activity should naturally bring that down. So just a bit of patience. Yeah. And it came back down and I was set up nicely then for breakfast time. If you want more information on that, and it's one of our most popular episodes out of the series of the Insulone podcast, episode number 48, resistance and weight training and type one diabetes. Well, resistance is weight training, which is Owen is talking about, goes into further detail on how you can manage your blood sugars while you are doing weight training. Now, the title of this week's episode is diabetes and driving. And I know we did emails on last week's episode, but this email came through and we were thinking that this deserves a full episode to itself because we were thinking about doing this in the future anyway. And then when we got this email in from Josh McKenna, it just ties it all together. So I'm going to read you the email here and then we're going to have a discussion about diabetes and driving. Okay. So Josh goes, hi Owen, I stumbled across you about a week ago. And since then, I've been nonstop listening to the podcast. I found it so useful and even in a week I feel like you've helped me grow my confidence with my own type 1 diabetes. I, like you, was diagnosed late into my life, just over two years ago when I was 21. I feel reassured from listening to you that I'm doing the right things to stay fit and healthy and that I'm generally a well-managed diabetic. I would probably even go to the extent of saying I'm the healthiest I've ever been in my life because of type 1. Love it. Love that. Even in my short time of following you, I get the vibe that we are quite similar and I've had many similar experiences to you. Having a positive outlook on life, going to the gym, healthy eating and going out drinking are massive things in my life and you're the first diabetic that I feel properly connected to from your podcast. I have found the adjustment to my new life challenging, but with help from the Manchester Diabetes School, lots of trial and error, and my new best friend, the Freestyle Libre, my control (laughs) is around 75% in target between 10 and 4. I do have a question that you may be able to talk about on the podcast. I've recently started my driving lessons, and as confident as I'm trying to be, I'm extremely nervous about getting behind the wheel. My instructor is really accommodating, but in my three lessons so far, I've really struggled to get stable sugars while driving. I don't want to be high or low, but so far I've taken the approach of being higher. By higher, I mean about 10. In my last lesson, my sugar spiked to about 14 because I didn't inject enough on purpose because I was scared of going low while driving. Do you have any suggestions on how I should approach this? Thanks for everything you do. I think the podcast is brilliant. And that is from Josh McKenna. There's a lot in that one. (laughs) Thank you, Josh. First of all, I appreciate you getting in touch. And I'm delighted to hear that you feel as if you've connected with me. means a lot to hear that, which is cool. And I feel like given what you've said in the email, it's pretty clear that we are quite similar. And we were diagnosed at a pretty similar age. I was 19, you were 21. So... I think most of the the social challenges challenges that we'd both be facing are almost identical. You say you like keeping healthy, going to the gym, going out drinking, which I have always liked to do with friends too. So the fact that you're enjoying the podcast and you're getting something from it means a lot to me. So thank you, Josh. And okay, first of all, well, not first of all, second of all, hmm. Good question about the driving. And it's funny because anyone listening 
knows that exact thought process. Everyone knows the whole idea of I'm doing something here. Is it driving, presentation, interview, first date, whatever it is. I'm doing something. And the last thing I want is my blood sugar to interfere with this. The last thing I want is to have a hypo behind the wheel. Or as I said, on a first date, in an interview, whatever it may be. That's that's almost like the biggest fear in a diabetic's mind in any social situation, really, because you're kind of just so out of sorts when that happens. But the fact that you are aware of that and the fact that you want to avoid it is a good thing because the reality of it is when we're driving a car, it's potentially extremely dangerous if we have a low blood sugar. And we're not just putting ourselves at risk, we're putting other people on the road or walkers at risk too. So it's good that you're thinking about this. And what came to mind for me straight away was that time. We, I think we spoke about it before, Graham, in the hypo-anxiety episode. But what jumped out to me when I read Josh's email or when you read it out is that when I was coming home from the States, I hadn't seen my parents in like a year and a half, two years or whatever it was. And on the plane, I was like, I don't want my blood sugar to drop the first time I see them because it's like a big moment and I don't want my blood sugar to kind of be interfering with that. So I purposely ate glucose tablets before I landed to ensure that my bloods wouldn't drop. So Josh is doing something similar here before he starts his driving lessons because the last thing he wants is his bloods to drop, are his bloods to drop. So he's taking less insulin or letting his bloods go higher than he would generally like. Now, in that situation, what I like to do is I try and simplify my management around it. And what I mean by that is trying to take out the complications of interfering blood sugars based on the insulin that I'm taking or the food that I'm eating. So to give you an example, I was doing a presentation relatively recently to a group of people and the last thing I wanted was my blood sugar to drop and I didn't necessarily want it to sail so high where I kind of feel that high blood sugar feeling. So what I did was, much like my pre-bedtime routine, the last meal I had was about two and a half or three hours prior to the presentation and the last meal that I had had little to no carbohydrate. Now, the reason that I do that, and I do do that anytime I'm going to bed or close to my bedtime, is because if my last meal, and let's just say I'm the one driving the car and I'm preparing for these lessons. If I have my last meal, say two and a half, three hours before the lesson, by the time I get to the lesson, where my blood sugars are, is likely where they're going to stay for the lesson. The food that I've eaten has kind of run its course. The insulin that I've potentially taken has pretty much run its course too. It's still in your system, but it's peaked and it it won't affect your blood sugar too much from then on. Then on top of that, if that last meal that I have has little to no carbohydrate, that means that 
there's less chance of it spiking my blood sugar and I require less insulin so that that reduces the chances of me dropping. A situation like this is one of the only times that I'd kind of say, look at reducing or taking out carbohydrate in the meal. I'm a big, big, big believer in the idea of not restricting your diet to manage your blood sugar. You do not have to do that. You can manage your blood sugar based on understanding your insulin, understanding your ratios, understanding timing and how different foods affect your blood sugar. I in no way reduce the amount of carbohydrate that I eat because I eat roughly three, 350 grams of carbs per day, but that's for a different day. So if I'm driving that car, the last meal that I have has little to no carbohydrate. So that means I require less insulin, which reduces the chances of highs and or lows. And that last meal that I have is two and a half to three-ish hours prior to when I get behind the wheel. And of course, with that, you need to make sure that you have low treatment with you at all times. And the number one thing to remember, before you get behind the wheel, you have to check your blood sugar. There's something called five to drive. So that means that you must be five millimoles per liter blood sugar wise which is 90 milligrams per deciliter for anyone who doesn't use millimole, you must be above that level before you step or get behind the wheel. Because if you're not above that, then the chances of you going into a hypo or not being all there behind the wheel is greatly increased. So as I said earlier, it's not just you you're putting in danger. It's potentially other drivers and other people on the road. So make sure you check your blood sugar and make sure you're in a healthy range before you get behind the wheel. I'm going to throw this spanner in the works and I'm presuming if you're um, doing lessons and maybe you're doing your driving test as well, there's going to be an element of stress involved as well. Obviously, that's going to have an effect on your blood sugars as well. Is there any way someone could kind of get around this or is there there's no real way because you know yeah it's a good question and it's it's one of those things that it's you can you can almost expect it to happen it's like if you're going into an interview or say doing a big presentation you're pretty much guaranteed to be like nervous or stressed or have adrenaline pumping which in turn will likely increase your bloods now the tricky part about that is because it's difficult to predict it accurately in terms of when it's going to happen, how high my blood sugar will go, how long it will last. It's difficult to treat it. So, yeah, ideally, if you could say, right, my blood sugar is guaranteed to go up to X number and it's guaranteed to last X amount of time, then essentially you can pre-bolus for stress or adrenaline. But because it's it's unpredictable in terms of the detail of it. It's difficult to do it. So with that, what I would always do is I'd prefer to be slightly higher in that situation because a high blood sugar won't, well, behind a wheel specifically, it won't put you in immediate danger. But 
if you're doing like a presentation or something, um, yeah, ideally you want to be in range, but I'd rather be slightly higher than lower because you can still, you can function better if your blood sugar is slightly higher than if it's lower. I really like that five to drive. And I imagine if you're to leave your house now and just to pop five minutes down the road to the shops, if you're five or above, you're fine to drive. But what happens is, because I know when we finish recording here now, you're going to go on a drive because you're going to go away for a few days. That's about, what, two or three hours in the car you're going to be in now? Yeah, about, be about two and a half, I'd say. So how are you going to prepare for the two and a half hour drive you have this afternoon when we finish recording so i'll make sure that i'm in range above five five to drive before i get behind the wheel i'll check my blood sugar pretty regularly and i likely have a stop anyway get a coffee or something will you eat in the stop i probably wouldn't eat to be honest now if it was a longer journey i'd be taking a longer break because i'd be starving and I'd, <laughs> I'd have to eat but with something like two two and a half hours it's not that long yeah so if i do stop i'll get a coffee probably a bottle of water and if i do eat it'll be something that's low carbohydrate that i don't need insulin for so if anything my bloods are going to go slightly higher than risk having them drop that's basically the main thing Perfect. you just want to make sure that your bloods aren't too low to drive first of all or that your bloods aren't trending down pretty fast. Because as I said, it's not just you you're putting at risk. It's other people on the road too. And if you do have a hypo behind the wheel, don't question it. Don't think, ah, I'll be grand. I'll be grand. I'll just, I'll stop in 10 or 15 minutes. I'm, I'm nearly there. Do not do that. Because you don't know how fast you're dropping. You don't know if you're, you're, decisions decision making or anything is going to be impaired by that low so just pull over wherever you are just pull over turn the car off check your bloods if you're low treat it wait up to 30 to 40 minutes not ideal if you're in a rush somewhere but safety comes first at all times so you have to wait for your bloods to come back up and generally your bloods will come back up kind of like 10, 15, 20 minutes after a low, but because you're behind the wheel, because your your judgment may still be impaired, you need to wait like 30, 40 minutes. So it's in your best interest to, to prepare well for the drive so you don't need to do that. Before you had the CGM, how often on a two and a half hour journey, we'll say, did you check your bloods? At least three. Okay. At least, like, yeah. if I had to, I'd check it while the car was parked or something anyway. Yeah. But as well, what, what can be kind of tricky too, it's like, and it's happened to me a few times. Now, I've never had a hypo while driving just because I've always kind of prepared well for it. I'm proud of that. <laughs> <laughs> but the what can be tricky and frustrating sometimes is the fact that if you're driving and the sun is in your eyes, sometimes the shine you know that that kind of glary feeling you get in your eyes sometimes that can almost mimic how you feel with a hypo now to a much lesser extent but as in like for me when i have a hypo i like my vision doesn't go blurry but it's kind of like 
uh, really, really hard to describe. But if the sun is shining directly in your eyes and you have that kind of couple minutes of... Yeah, it's going to be like, like black oh, spots going might on? pop up as well. Yeah, 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 yeah. That can be quite similar to a low. So that's happened to me a few times where I've been driving down the motorway or whatever it is and the sun would like, be glaring into my eyes. And then a few seconds later, I'd be like, is my blood sugar low or was that just the sun? Yeah. And it was obviously just the sun, but I've pulled over every time to check my blood sugar just to be sure. A question just popped into my head there. When you're getting car insurance, do they ask about health and do you have to tell them you're diabetic? Yes, sir. And even when you're trying to get a house. Now, I haven't ah. bought my own house yet, but something like that. Yeah. Like health insurance for all that sort of crack. Now, I so, haven't bought a house just yet, so I don't know. <laughs> I don't know in great detail. Me and Owen are buying a massive house together. <laughs> yeah. Make a massive podcast studio. Imagine seven episodes a day. That's what we're doing. So how much, like, I don't know, is, it, is it much extra on top? A couple of hundred euros, not is it? Too, not too much, no. Okay. Well, it's well, enough they, to annoy you. There should be on the website for the car insurance a little box that says, have you listened to episode 68 of the Insulone podcast? Exactly. Tick that and then you get a massive reduction in your fee. <laughs> yeah. Because now you're good to drive with diabetes. No problems. We, after they this. know that you're well prepared. Yeah, exactly. But also on a serious note, I put up on it on my Instagram story one time. I think, you know, the way on Instagram stories, you can do a poll. So let's say it's a question yeah. and somebody can click yes or somebody can click no. I put one up and I said, I think it was just something like, do you check your blood sugar before you get behind the wheel? And the amount of people that said no. If you're listening to this podcast and you don't check your blood sugar before you get behind the wheel, don't ever do that again. (laughs) Right? Give us your car. Depending on what car it is. (laughs) But no, seriously, do not get behind the car without checking your bloods. Look, it's not ideal. It can be frustrating sometimes to check them, but it's very, very important. It's your own safety. It's other people's safety for the sake of 10, 15 seconds checking your bloods just to be sure. Just do it. Owen, thank you very much. I think that was a very enjoyable podcast. One subject we hit on from one email, but definitely a lot in there. Yeah, we keep that one relatively short and sweet, but it's an important one. As I said, check your blood sugar before you get behind the wheel. Not just for yourself, for other people too. And for Josh, the two takeaways. Now, from my own perspective, they might not might not work the best for you. But the two takeaways for you are the time of your last meal and what you're having for the last meal. And I always make sure that I have hypo treatment getting into a car. That's the most important thing. Perfect. Any more emails just like Josh, do please hit us up at theinsulowenpodcast at gmail.com. And as always, rate it, review it. You can only really do that on Apple. So if you've got an iPhone, help us out. Uh, otherwise, thank you very much for getting <laughs> yeah. in contact. Yeah, if you're listening to the podcast and you haven't left a review or you haven't left a comment or you haven't shared it to everybody that you know, make sure you do. <laughs> it's important. Share it around. Let's get the word out there about the Insulone podcast. Yeah. Even just this driving episode, it's important because the amount of people that said that they don't check their bloods, oh. share it with them. Come on. You could save a life. You, you could, could save a life. You very well could. Oh, and thank you as always. Thank you, Graham. And thank you for listening. Have a great week. Whatever you're doing, wherever you are, check those blood sugars. 
and look after yourself. Chat to you soon.